0: If I had one, if I had just one wish, one wish. Okay. One wish. No, you no. Get it? And I'm going to start singing. All right. If I had
1: one wish. One. Oh. <laughs> We're like, wait,
2: what? All right, do it again. Give us okay. give us our line again. Okay. <laughs> We're terrible. When I, when I
0: point at you, that's when you come in with. Me. All right. If I had one wish, this is what it would be. I wish the whole world could live in peace and harmony. There be no more wars. There be no more hate. I'd make this world a better place. I'd make this world great. If I had just one wish, one,
1: one wish. One wish.
0: One, one, wish. Wish. one wish, one wish, if I had just one wish, one wish, one wish, <laughs> one wish, one wish, one, wish. one, wish, one, wish, one if wish. wish, if I had just one wish. be no more sorrow, only tears of joy. I put a smile on the face of every woman, every man, girl, and boy there be no more hunger. There'd be no more pain. Dark clouds would fade away. The sunshine would replace the rain. If I had just one wish, one, one wish. wish, one wish, one, one wish, wish
1: <laughs> one wish,
0: one wish. If I had just one wish. If I had one wish, this is where I'd begin. No one would be judged by the color of the skin. If I had just one wish, if I had just one wish. Everybody. If I had had just one one
1: wish, wish. Okay. (laughs) Wow. So we won't be in the
2: recording studio anytime soon. But that was incredible. So (laughs) thank you. (laughs) This is why, with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling.
1: I guess as a place to start, how does somebody born in a coal mining town end up (laughs) writing one of the most famous songs? ever
0: well i i keep it
1: short please (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: Uh, it was destiny yeah (laughs) can't get any shorter than that Uh, i was was born in in the cold fields i wanted a better life i saw how hard my father was working never having anything and um i started playing guitar uh i found it very easy to, to learn to play guitar i learned by ear and um it once I learned one song, it just made me want to do it more and more and more, and I just, then I started writing songs. And uh, uh, when I was 17 years old, old enough to leave home, I bought a one-way ticket from Coalfields and went to uh, New York, Rochester, New York, to pursue a career in music. And uh, in 1960, I played with different bands up until um, 1964, I met some guys that uh, had the same dreams and goals as goals as I had uh no one wanted to have a day job we all wanted to uh, earn our living by playing music and uh so we we called ourselves we joined the band i joined the band and we called ourselves the soul brother six and um nineteen sixty seven i um uh we met a guy that wanted to manage us out of uh uh, Philadelphia his name was Walter Rayfield uh, he said we were a great band and we went to uh, Philadelphia in route to Philadelphia is when I wrote the song some kind of wonderful in the car and uh, it was um, because I was dating this girl in Rochester and when I got ready to leave uh, she packed me a lunch and um, I told her she was some kind of wonderful and I said I'm gonna write a song about you And uh, so in route from um, between Rochester and Philadelphia, I think we were around Syracuse somewhere. I ate the sandwich and then I started writing on the bag. I don't need a whole lot of money. And the reason for that first line was because all of us were broke. We had no money. I, I don't need a big fine car. The car we were riding in, you could look through the floor and see the highway. So that's why I said I didn't need a big fine car. I had everything I wanted because. I was thinking about her, and she was some kind of wonderful.
1: And you, you, writing it in the car, you didn't have any instrument with you, did you?
0: No, but I arranged everything in my head. And when mm-hmm. I arrived in, when I arrived in Philadelphia, because uh, I was the uh, songwriter and, uh, and the arranger for the group Soul Brother Six, and so when we arrived in Philadelphia, uh, I told them I had this song that I wanted to mm-hmm. teach it to them, and. I told him how the backup vocals should go, the chorus of it, and I told the bass. I said, "I want you to play boom, 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 boom." And I told the drummer what to play, and um, then I started singing it. And I told him in the backup vocals to come in to some kind of wonderful, and that was it. And, uh, and then there was a DJ. His name was Ernie Fields. He was a friend of uh, the gentleman that one that was managing us. And he, he had called this DJ over to have a listen to this group that he brought in from Rochester. And the DJ heard the song, Some Kind of Wonderful. He said, whose song is that? And I said, it's mine. I just wrote it. He said, that is a hit. And he said, we got to record it. So they took us in the studio in uh, Philadelphia. And uh, we recorded Some Kind of Wonderful. And they, in turn, took it to... Uh, radio program director at WHAT radio station. And the gentleman's name was George Wilson. George Wilson took the song to Atlantic Records and they got us a record deal. It's just one
2: of those magical stories you, you hear, you know, and what, what was that? I mean, that, that feeling of just watching that trajectory. What was that like?
0: Well, you know, it's, uh, you can't, you can't put in words. I can't put in words because that was a a dream finally coming full circle for me, coming out of the coal fields and doing odd jobs, working in working in car washes, working work, working in restaurants, but holding on to that dream and the purpose that I came to uh, uh, to to New York for. And when it finally happened, it was like, wow! I finally made it. And, you know, I went from uh, working in, in a restaurant to being on stage in front of, you know, screaming girls and, and you know, living the dream that I, I always wanted to do and playing my music and earning a living how I wanted to do it.
1: When we've interviewed other musicians, sure. some have said that oh, we did this song, we had no idea it was a hit. We just thought it was a cool song. Right. Others... From the instant they started playing it, saying "Oh, something clicked," and I knew it was something special. It was different than other groups. Did you have that feeling with this? You had everyone else telling you it was a hit. What did your no, heart I, tell you?
0: I told them it was a hit.
1: Oh, well, there you go.
0: <laughs> I knew. I had. I had. I had this feeling, this inner feeling, when I started playing the, the magic of that song, the the drive and the some kind of wonderful. I knew it was a hit. What I didn't know and didn't and didn't even fathom was that it would be recorded over and over and over and over and over again by other artists. I I just figured it was going to be a hit for the Soul Brother Six and um, which I knew that was going to be a hit.
2: Has there ever been a version in all the versions where you've gone, oh boy, really? (laughs) What did you do to my song? Uh
0: I've heard a couple, <laughs> heard a couple <laughs> versions that uh uh that I didn't p- particularly like but uh overall most of this with the exception of one i would say were two versions uh that was completely different from my arrangement one was by uh Joss stones it, when she's sang it she's sang complete totally different uh and um, i think pam greer did a version which was uh, uh, totally different but uh, all the res- all the other artists that recorded the song they they stayed right to the to the baseline and uh, the exactly how i wrote it mm-hmm. which is a further credit
2: to you and your songwriting because most people get a hold of something and they want to just change it up because they want to make it their own, but that it stayed so true is amazing. So then fast forward from there, obviously you've had an incredible music career beyond that. Right. And have continued to do amazing things, including your recent song that you just uh, recorded. Right. Tell, Tell us a little bit about that. Really quickly and well.
0: Okay, I wrote that song actually in 2003. Wow. I wrote it because of uh, how this country is and everything that's going on in it. And and as you can see, if I wrote it in 2003, really nothing's changed except time. Right. And so yeah. my reason uh, for writing this song and putting it out um, is because to bring awareness to what what's really going on in this country and, and give people, uh, and I'll uh, look at it, at the real problem. And um, a lot of people, I've had other interviews and they say, oh, this is a Black Lives Matter song. It's not, it's not about Black Lives Matter. It's about this country and the direction that we, sh- we should be going in. And um, uh, I just, if you listen to the lyrics of that song, they're spot on, uh, because, um, you talk me, I grew up in, a, in I was, ne- I never went to a restaurant until I was, I left West Virginia, you know, wow. the, I had to, uh, I, I wasn't allowed in restaurants. I have been turned away. I have been treated, not like, um uh, not like a person. And, uh, the only way that this country is going to move forward and that's with love. You know, we have to start showing love towards each other. We have to recognize if we're doing something wrong to people, someone, we have to be able to look at this, you know what, that's not right. And I can tell you, uh, like all those, the, the statues that's being taken down, that's not going to solve this problem. Uh, you know if you look at and I, I can tell you and I don't want to dwell on this but I just want to say that uh, for example for instance myself I've never looked at a person as a color I look at everyone either they're nice or they're not nice mm-hmm. okay uh, I when I met my wife I met my wife in 1968 people said I was crazy. To to even have a conversation with her because she's white, okay. For me, she was just I met her. She was a beautiful person, and uh, this I've had pe- people say, "Oh, you're crazy! Why do you want to marry this white woman?" Uh, both both races have said that to me, and here we are. This is two, 2020, four children and 15 grandkids later, wow. and, and we are still happy because. We've never we don't see color, and that's how until this country, this world, start just looking at people as people. And the the big the problem is, and I'll say this, and then we we can go to something else. Is you can take down all the statues, you can you remove all the names, but until people start to look at each other and say, you know what, you're no different from me this problem will remain and that that's the way it is because even today 2020 I've been discriminated against I've been wrongly treated because I have a business and a lot of people you know once they uh, they, they will love my product and once they, they find out it's from a person of color, they don't want to buy. It. They don't want it. they don't want to do business with me. I haven't done it. I can't change my color, you know. Right. <laughs> no more than change you can the product, change yours. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> change the product. <laughs> so, it, it's just a, It's sad that we have to live in this kind of a, this country. And until people recognize, you know what, we're all the same, and and everybody should have the same opportunities, in in this this world. I mean, forget about the color. Color doesn't mean anything. And that's, as I say, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> so.
1: Well, before we move on quickly, I mean, you look at your life story and right. your, your history. Okay. Uh, your grandfather right. was born into slavery, correct? Exactly. And then your 18-year-old well, I'll nephew... Go, I'll,
0: I'll go into it if you want to. Um, since I came into this world, um, I didn't realize actually growing up that this world was so full of racism and discrimination until I became a teenager. My first encounter mm-hmm. was when there was a, a radio contest and I had learned to play the guitar I only knew how to play one song, which was a song by Chuck Berry called School Days.
1: So, it's a good one to know if you yeah. got to know one. When
0: <laughs> yeah. so I entered this contest, I was the only black person in the room, and I knew I was great. You know, I practiced and practiced. Well, when the judges called me in, and I started singing, they said, "Okay, what are you going to sing?" I said, "I'm going to sing the songs about Chuck Berry's school days." They said, "Okay, let's hear." it. So I had my guitar. I said, Up in the morning and out to school. Start so playing the guitar. Within ten seconds, the judge said, "That's it. We got a winner." This guy, he said, this contest is over, and I, I was feeling great. I turned to walk out of the, out of the room. He said, this contest is over. They forgot to turn off the intercom above the door, and as soon as the door closed, this one judge said to another, he says, what the hell do you mean we got a winner? And the guy said, well, this guy's great, and every all the all the white contestants that were sitting there, they heard this. He said. I don't what do you mean we got a winner? And the guy said, Well, he's great. No one's gonna be better than this. He says, I don't care how good he is, he's a goddamn nigga. And he's saying, There is no way in hell we're gonna let a nigga win this contest. Can you imagine how I felt to hear that? I hadn't done anything except walked in there and played my guitar. 16 years old. I knew I was great. And it was like someone put a knife through me and, you know, I I couldn't believe it. if I had lost because I cheated, I could accept that. If I wasn't good enough, I could accept it. Of course. I lost because of something I couldn't change, which was the color of my skin. I couldn't change that, but that's why I lost. And, but what it did for me, it made me angry. And I said, you know, tears came into my eyes and I said, that's okay you think you stopped me you can't stop me and that's that that's been my 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 way of thinking no one can stop you may push me down but i'm gonna get up you know and i'm not gonna hate you i'm just gonna prove to you that you can't hold me back
1: and how is it after a lifetime of this sort of seeing this hatred firsthand seeing this bigotry Seeing well, all this stuff happen, how do you not write a song called some kind of BS?
0: Well, you know what? <laughs> that song. That's why I I call my friend. Uh, I'm working with a gentleman in Amsterdam, and uh, mm-hmm. we 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 always say that God brought us together. When when this happened with uh, uh, George Floyd, and I, I and that's when I pulled out the song and I said, Roger, you got to hear this song. And I said. We need to put this out. This is a wake-up call, America. This is a wake-up call. This is a wake-up call, America. This is a wake-up call. To understand the black man's fight, you must first take a look at the black man's plight. To understand our state of mind, turn the pages of history, and there you'll find that this land of the free, and home of the brave is where you brought us, and made us your slave, and freedom was a dream that we took to our grave. This is a wake-up
1: call, America. Wake Up Call, Black Like Like Me, is available on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, all the other places you find digital music. And for more information on John and his entire body of work, which is unbelievable, check out johnellisonmusic.com. This is a wake-up
0: call, America. This is a wake-up call. We salute your flag, but for us... It's-